Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Jen Schwester. Jenny Zen Yoga, which is her handle, has been providing yoga services and trainings to many underserved populations for over four years, including special needs adults, senior class, senior citizens, first responders, and her high school French classes. Jennifer brings her 24 years experience as a French teacher to the mat. She has been practicing yoga for the past eight years and expanded her practice by becoming a registered yoga teacher. Jennifer is currently completing the next 300 hours of yoga teacher training with my vinyasa practice in Austin, Texas to become a RYT 500. She is also an instructor for yoga for first responders and a teacher for the Veterans Yoga Project. She has presented mindfulness, meditation, chair yoga, and SEL workshops for various school districts, as well as many state, regional, and national language teacher associations, as well as half and full day workshops for school districts and CEU classes for NJEMT providers. When Jennifer is not at high school on her, or on her mat, she is offering yoga classes. She's walking her dogs in the fresh air and is at the beach. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Dana, for having me. I am so excited. It's my first podcast that I'm on. So well, I know you speak a lot. You were a CCFLT that I'm on the chair of last mm-hmm. uh, last spring, and we uh, connected at the Southwest uh, Colt Conference yep. in March. So, you know, I went to your session and you went to mine. So I'm excited to have you on. I'll Thank start you. off with the session. I ask the question I ask everybody, tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. Okay. Yeah. And and I just have to state, you know, it's the the coming out is it, still happening. And yeah, yeah. um, it keeps growing. So I'm going to go back to 2014. Mm-hmm. I had recently left um, a school district. I was in a school district for eight years, had a very long commute and had middle schoolers. And at home, I had middle schoolers and somebody local that I used to work with um, mentioned that one of the local high schools, um, their French teacher was retiring and I would go from like over an hour commute to a 15 minute commute. And I'm like, Hey, am I ready for a switch? So 2013, I did that. And that was wonderful. I was so happy to be closer to home, um, had students you could talk to instead of dealing with middle school types of issues all day long. Mm -hmm. And everything was chugging along at home at school. I was really happy with the transition and, um, that May, I got pretty much blindsided with um, um, medical diagnosis that just left me reeling. Um, so not to go into too many details, but I found out I had breast cancer, which I don't have family history, um, nothing that I knew of that would lead to this. I just had noticed, you know, a lump. And so, you know, for anybody with breast tissue, I'm just going to put in a note, male and female, please make sure you're checking because male and female, mm-hmm. we all have that same type of tissues, check it out. Um, and stay, you know, get in touch with your doctor. And I, I ignored it for, you know, a few months. And then I said, oh, I really should go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was just stunned. I was, 
um, 42 years old and had still, you know, my kids were young. I was in a brand new job. I, I didn't know what to do. And I just remember getting the news. I had stayed late at school because I did not want to be on the phone at home. And um, I just remember sitting in this windowless classroom that I had at the time and um, screaming and nobody was at school. Nobody heard me mm. or nobody saw somebody saw me and walked by, which was fine either way. I needed to start working through that. And um, I just didn't know where I would go. Like, so that was my lowest point. You know, what do I do from there? How do I go forward? You know, I love, I had loved that life, what I did with my life. I did the running around with the kids to the activities, hanging out with friends, loved my new classes, loved my new students. Um, and, you know, where do I go from there? Where do I put myself back in this equation? Because I had to stop everything and take care of myself. And I wasn't ready to give up on anything. I did not want to change you know, my, what I was doing, which was being a teacher, which was being a parent. I still wanted to do that. So, um, you know, a lot of things had to change and I had surgery and I had radiation and I chemo chemotherapy and that did happen during the school year. And mm -hmm. the few, you know, I was very grateful for the administration that I had there at that time because they, I just wanted to keep things low key, deal mm -hmm. with it and move on. Um, but in that process, I also, you know, how to make some changes. I like to walk. I like to, I'd like to work out at the gym at that time. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to be able to do that anymore. I was not going to have arm strength. Um, I didn't need to sleep as much. I thought at that time yeah. at 42, you know, I was still invincible yeah. and I learned very quickly that I wasn't, you know, I am human like everybody else. And I had to put myself first. So my first concern was arm strength and um, stamina, because we need that as, as teachers, you know, we're moving things, we're up, we're using our arms, especially as a language, I, any teacher, we're showing things, we're doing mm. things, I'm writing somewhere. I couldn't even lift my arm up to write on the board. I, I mm. would have, you know, I'm like, who's the guest sec guest teacher for the day? Come write on the board for me. And without telling the kids a lot of what was going on. Yeah. And, but I need, I wanted to feel like I was working out. I wanted to feel like my old self and somebody had suggested going to yoga class. I said, okay, I'll go try yoga, you know? And I thought it would be that Western idea of yoga. I'm going to do a handstand. I'm going to work out. I'm going to have really ripped muscles. Mm -hmm. And what I'd learned and started taking those classes and starting a yoga practice was that that wasn't why I was going to the studio. I was going to the studio for the breathing, the meditation, the mindfulness, the quieting, that crazy mm -hmm. mind. They call it the monkey mind in yoga. I prefer mm -hmm. to use the term crazy minds a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's what really started connecting with me. And my brain started changing. You know, why are you not sleeping? Why are you always working? Why are you trying to be the superhuman that you think you have to be because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I showed that I wasn't, I, I found my fault. You know, I found my, um, my kryptonite, I guess, in a way, you know, Lacaccio. And so I had to really take some steps to rethink how I went about looking at myself in my place in this world. 
And in doing that, occasionally, you know, I would start stopping to take deep breaths or sit down and have a quiet moment instead of just rushing on to the next thing. And some of my students started noticing. And one day they were like, are you meditating? I'm like, <laughs> um, kind of. I said, I'm just doing a little breath work. I'm just, my brain's like racing. I'm going to settle down. Mm -hmm. They're like, our brains are racing too. We need to do this. And I was like, wait a minute, what? What do you mean your brains are racing? You're teenagers. Like your life is good. You should, you know, and you know, we forget sometimes what it's like to be a teenager. And so I, you know, I said, okay, let's do this. And, you know, I, I went against my, you know, 90% in the target language. And I said, okay, let's just sit down because I only knew these words yeah. as I was taking them in. It was my, my comprehensible in input was a yoga class. Yeah. So we started doing it and the kids were like, they, they were coming into class and these are high schoolers. I started with my juniors, you know, so 11th graders mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're like, wow, you know, I just need to reset from my last class. The hallway was crazy. Yeah, we have a very large school um, for New Jersey. We have, we had at that time, almost 1500 students in our school. Mm -hmm. Our population's decreased a little bit now, but it was insane. And I know for some schools throughout the nation, that's a very small number, but in New Jersey, mm -hmm. that's a huge school. Mm -hmm. And I also never taught in a school that big. I had always worked in smaller districts. So you know, we started doing it. We talked about it and I was like, okay, I need to, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, see how this works. And then as I started progressing with my yoga, my own personal yoga practice, I started asking the question, why, why is it like this? Why did this come about? What's the background to this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I can't just let it be. I have to know everything. It's a teacher in us. And so there was an opportunity to study to become a registered yoga teacher. I'm like, all right, let me do this. Um, and during this time, you know, I've already had four years of yoga practice. I'd been through all of my cancer treatment, um, mm -hmm. just doing my checkups every, you know, three, six, nine months, whatever I was at that point. And I, I was feeling good again. You know, I wasn't as super strong as I had wanted to be, but I, my head I felt was in a better place. I said, Oh, maybe I'll try this and I can share with other people going through their cancer treatment, their journey, any survivors. And I wanted to give back to that com community. So I did the class. I should have, uh, I should have gone for my master's. It was a lot of work. And I think frustrating as a teacher um, who went through teacher training programs at the college level to go through a different type of teacher training program. When in my brain, I'm like, this is a much better way to present this question or talk about this. <laughs> and we're going over the homework. What did you get for number one? And I'm like, I, I would bite my yeah, tongue. Yeah, you have that yeah, teacher you know? mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I had to like step back, like, oh, wait, that's not my role anymore at this point. And so it you know, went through it. I thought it was a great experience. Um, so happy I did it. But during that time, the current students were still, you know, curious. They're like, you know, are we breathing? Are we doing this? And the, they talk to each other. So my new students will come in every year. Hey, I heard we're going to, we're going to meditate. Let's meditate. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, are we meditating for the sake of meditation or are we doing it for the sake of trying to get out of something and let's put our yeah. minds in a good spot and I'm happy to do that. So I started practicing just my regular, what I was learning how to do. How do you teach yoga? How do you break that up? And 
just like when I was first teaching, you know, student teaching, had it writing out that script again. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was so hard to go back into those steps when now I just go in the class and I know in my brain, my brain just kind of automatically does what it knows it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And just from that beginning again. So it gave me another new perspective of being that new learner, new teacher. Um, and I just saw how much the kids needed it. So that, that was like my turning point. You know, they came in asking, can we do yoga or can we breathe or can we just sit and be mindful for a few minutes and not to get out of doing anything was that, you know, their lives were very stressful and even more challenging than our own teenage years because of social media and the pressures of those phones and having them and what they're expected to do now. You have to be that all around person. That's that's a challenging thing to do because we might not know what all of our little things are at between 14 and 18. I mean, I'm 50, I'm just starting to figure all of this out. So that was my out of the trenches. So what's come in the past eight years is that I really haven't been sharing any yoga with any cancer survivor groups or anything. Mm -hmm. At whatever time that was, I wasn't making those right connections and that's okay. Um, I'm a true believer that things develop for reasons. And I started noticing um, how I was using it in the classroom And at that same time, so now we're getting to about 2018, my school district was trying to start bringing in more social emotional learning types of activities. How do we connect better with our students and make those lasting connections? And all of the activities and the overall, um, I don't want to say complaint, that's not a good word to use all the time, but um, concern was that we're taking away from our class time. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, are we really, excuse me, (coughs) are we really taking away from class time Mm -hmm. or are we making this be helpful? And I'm like, I can do this stuff in my target language. And if I can do it in my target language, so can everybody else. So over the, the next four years, since 2018, that's been evolving. How do we bring mindfulness, meditation, yoga, social, emotional learning into our classrooms? And then how does that help our students with encouraging proficiency? And so that's been constantly in develop. I'm sorry, I have to cough again. You want to pause it? (coughs) That's okay. Um, So over the past four years, I've been trying to figure out ways to bring Uh, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, more social emotional learning into our world language classrooms and using those as tools, not only as those initial tools, but also to help our students lower those effective filters, which it will do, and encourage more proficiency and make those great connections and safe spaces for our students. So what I love about the, the story is that it just all tied into my coming, my being in the trenches and how I've been coming out of the trench mm-hmm. is just very, I like the fact that it's very organic, just how things develop. And if something works, that's great. And if something's not working, I'm going to rethink it 
and see what else pops up. I'm not trying to force it. I don't have my students come into my classroom and we start meditating and oming and doing any of that stuff, but how is it developed? How do I've learned, you know, and I'm not the be all and end all expert of this, but what I share when I go out to present to the different world language associations and um, even um, NJEA. So our um, educational association in New Jersey and various other places and all my other groups, you know, mm-hmm. how do I make, share what I've learned and give them those examples that yes, you could do this too, without having to do all of that background. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be a yoga teacher to bring mindfulness and some yogic movement into your classroom, mm-hmm. but it's good to have somebody who's had that background that can help lead you into those right places. Cause we do always want to be safe and not hurt ourselves or hurt other people. And that's also something we have to keep in the back of our minds. So again, coming into those safe places. So I I'm still moving on from this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, t- I started doing it as a way to deal with what was going on with my own self. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I realized that it doesn't matter what issue is happening, what is holding you back, you're going through your situation, this is going to help everybody. Mm -hmm, And some mm -hmm. people are very receptive and some people are not. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the Flenge conferences, the New Jersey Language Educators Group, they, one of their workshops one year was about, you know, planting the seeds and we Mm -hmm. do plant those seeds. We Mm -hmm. don't know when those seeds are going to bloom in our students. Mm -hmm. And when I do any type of mindfulness meditation, you know, I do it very trauma specific in my classroom. Um, Either the doors, you know, open a tiny bit, depending on who's on the, in the classroom, you know, we don't Mm -hmm. fully close the doors. I don't have windows in this classroom either. My new one. Um, Mm -hmm. So I do like to have my door open. Uh, Students do not have to close their eyes. They do not have to do any movement that does not resound with them. You know, it's always an option. This Mm -hmm. is a suggestion. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to join in, please feel free. If you do not want to, that is okay. It's the one time they, you know, they, they really truly get a choice. Do I have to do this or not? There's no mm-hmm. grades on it. And, you know, I just, my caveat is please don't be disruptive to the people who are participating in this. And I don't keep it super long, mm-hmm. you know, quick little bits of it spread out sporadically through lessons and mm-hmm. you know, reading the crowd, you know, when do you need to take a deep breath? When do you need to get up and move? Have we been sitting too long? Mm-hmm. And I'm just, it's really interesting because again, you know, we are teachers, we are lifelong learners and how do we keep learning? And there's a lot to learn out there. There's so Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I love going to conferences, not just in the Northeast region, but throughout the U.S. now and uh, Puerto Rico and Canada. But, you know, meeting up with teachers, I would have never had the opportunities to connect with. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, you know, we all have different stories and why we're coming into different workshops, why we come to them. And hopefully there's always something in my workshop that a teacher can take away, whether it's personal for them mm-hmm. or and or to share with their students. Mm-hmm. And that's my other little um, disclaimer when I, I uh, present is that 
when you're writing up the proposals, you know, it's our conference mm-hmm. is student centered. What are we doing for our students? But I tell the teachers, I'm like, listen, if you don't share any of this with your students and you keep it all for yourself, I did my job because, yeah. and yeah. then that's going into the other thing. If we're not taking care of ourselves, how yeah. are we going to keep doing what we've been doing? Yeah. And, you know, again, and then in these past four years, you know, I got to a part where I felt really secure and then let's have the pandemic happen and Mm -hmm. coming back from that now. And, you know, what else is going to happen now? We're getting monkeypox this year. Like I, I just, Mm -hmm. I'm looking towards Mm -hmm. September because in the Northeast, we started in after Labor Day and my goodness, what is this year going to bring? And can we take a break? Yeah. So hopefully with what I'm still doing and trying out new stuff in my classroom, those breaks will help the students and help me and help my coworkers into mm-hmm. just keeping a calm and a sane and a safe environment. Yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it, it's helped you through the pandemic. It helps you with unpredictability, like you mentioned um, with the, the upcoming perfect. school year. Um, yeah. And also you talked in the pre-chat a little bit about um, uh, just the low prep ideas of weaving yoga into the classroom. Um, kind of talk to me a little bit about how, um, you know, it might look in a typical lesson when you're teaching content and then go into the meditation or yoga practice. Perfect. Yep. I would love to do that. And yeah, this is truly like seriously low to no prep at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a firm believer of the environment that you walk into. So as I said earlier, my school is very large. I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on in the hallways. So mm-hmm. it can be chaos as some groups are walking into my room or someone already had an issue in the hallway, the stairwell, who knows what happened. So I do, I'm at the door, I'm reading that crowd, you know, yeah. can they look me in the eye today or not? Um, and the lights are low, depending on how I'm feeling, I'll have some music playing. I cue it into uh, mm-hmm. francophone artists, you know, trying to introduce them mm-hmm. to a variety of groups, people and sounds. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I have something really pre, you know, very energetic playing and they are coming in and they're like, oh, madame, this is too much. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, sneak, I'll sneak right back in and fix it and put on something calming and yeah. vice versa. You know, if they're coming in and everyone's quiet and really down and not really talking, I'm going to put something energetic on. I usually mm-hmm. turn off about half of the lights. I love bright lights and spaces. I love sunshine. I love mm-hmm. the beach um, and having no windows really makes me sad. And I have my little sun lamps mm-hmm. to give me, you know, that fake light. But, you know, I do keep some of them low because for some of them coming in, that's too much stimulation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's, you know, bring this down a little bit. So just the environment, the greeting Mm -hmm. them at the door. Mm -hmm. And even before we get started, I'll just come in. I'm like, and in the target language, inhale and exhale. Mm -hmm. In French, Mm -hmm. inspirez, pardonnez, expirez, pardonnez. Mm -hmm. They can do it. They don't have to. We've talked about that since day one. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes it's nice to have that reminder and to set the tone, you know, uh, reminding them we're in a new space. It's a new period. It's yeah. a new, fresh start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on what happened to them the night before, earlier in that day, they're bringing all of that with them. 
But when they come into each space, we need those reminders that it's a fresh start. If yesterday wasn't your best day, today we have a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And to specifically tell them that. Um, so that I'll even start class with. And to start off with a game or a speaking activity or mm-hmm. something that's very low key. We're not being graded. We're not being assessed. We're just trying to switch our brains over to French because this mm-hmm. might be the only time during the day that they're hearing any of the language and trying to use it. Mm -hmm. So just getting them into a task right away. Like I, and I know I have colleagues are like, oh, I give them five or 10 minutes on their phones to transition. And when I get them in and and I'm like that, that's you. Yeah. And I get it. And I get some of the kids are, are, there are attached to that. And that is a whole nother thing, but getting them instantly on task Mm -hmm. of something that has to be done and something that's engaging to hopefully put that phone away, get off of it, leave some of whatever that issue was outside of the door and start to refocus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is it smooth all the time? Absolutely not. You know, (laughs) but it also by having an activity set up for them in their groups. And as we progress through the semester, they know the routine. You know, we do, even though it, the activities might vary every day, it's still the routine. And so mm-hmm. that consistency helps too, because the ones that are, everything's good, you can get on task. And if I see anyone that needs a quick uh, check-in with, I can speak with them, take a quick trip to the hallway for a second and help to get everybody on that page that we need for the first couple of minutes of class. So it, it looks very active and chaotic sometimes, but it's actually kind of, you know, getting everyone settled and making sure. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. So they're all in that spot to be open for some learning. Mm-hmm. and to take some French in. So that's some low prep ways. When I see um, that, it, and the breathing is the essence of yoga. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we think of yoga in the West, we're doing all these fabulous tree poses on the mountain. My leg mm-hmm. is behind my mm-hmm. head. I'm so flexible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the sun setting. And that's our viewpoint of it. The Eastern view of yoga is matching the breath with your movement, which will help to control that monkey mind or that crazy mind to help settle it. Mm -hmm. So the breath work is truly the essence of yoga. If you take a deep inhale and an exhale through your nose and you're paying attention to it, you can go out and tell everyone you did yoga today. Awesome. Yeah. And you did, that is Mm -hmm. yoga. And so stopping and having them do that, having them notice, you know, do a grounding exercise, notice where your feet are at the moment, notice where your seat is. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can do that in target languages, you know, what I, we do pied derriere and always laugh. Oh, she said derriere. It's like, oh my goodness, really? You know, (laughs) we're in high school still, you know, I'm like, what are we talking about? We're talking about our butts. Like, come on. And 
but they get used to those little pauses and those routines and it does remind them to take the moment. And what I've noticed as when we do that, and I notice as the semester comes on, perhaps you give them a task to do and I'll see them just put their hands down and go and take that deep breath on their own. Mm -hmm. And I can see they, they're realizing this is how I can reset my brain. And this is an amazing life skill. They don't need to take all this French with them, but that they can reset themselves and get focused on the task at hand and what they need to do will carry them through the rest of their lives. So that is, you know, a lot of the low prep, the, that's really the no prep. Um, also the belly breath is another one. Sometimes we'll stop and do a specific belly breath and with a yogic belly breath on that inhale, and I'm going to just turn my camera down a little bit that your belly should push out. It's the mm -hmm. opposite of exercise breath. And on the exhale, that belly button should come back to your spine. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'll talk about food babies, you know, depending on what we're doing in class. Sometimes I just say, if you're comfortable to put your hands on your belly, because not everybody is. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, just imagine that belly pushing out. Mm -hmm. And on your inhale, feel it pulling back in. And what the belly breath specifically does is it starts to massage the vagus nerve and which is the longest cranial nerve in our body starts at the back of our skull, divvies up around the shoulders, comes back, touches along our spinal cord and our internal, um, this area, ab abdominal, you know, organs, um, torso was the word I was looking for. And, um, so when we get scared, you know, when we're anxious, when we're nervous, when um, we realize we're in a very, you know, a dangerous situation, we breathe through our mouths <sighs> because that's telling our brain something bad's happening, something scary. We're getting ready for an adrenaline dump to give us those that energy to escape. Um, little kids, when they say their stomachs are bothering them, you have three questions for them. Are you hungry? Do you have to use the restroom or what's wrong? Because they're holding that tension in their belly. Um, or if you get nervous and you feel like you have to throw up or you need to run to the bathroom for other reasons very quickly, that's the other reason because that vagus nerve is clenched tight and telling our brain something good is not happening. So by doing a belly breath, we start to massage the vagus nerve, telling it everything's okay sends the message to the brain and the brain starts to settle down. So a belly breath is another completely low prep way to get students to um, help to settle down and to self-regulate a little bit. And I talk about the science behind it because, you know, there's always ones that like, oh, why are we doing this woo-woo yoga stuff? That's crunchy granola, madam. And I'm like, there's actual science behind it, even though my, my explanation is truly unscientific. But there is science behind it too. Even though this these techniques have existed for millennia, we do now know that there is also that proof that explains why this has worked for so long. They knew it worked. Now we know really know why. So that's some of the low prep, uh, the no prep ways. And, um, you know, low prep ways, doing various yoga poses, you know, they could be mm. in their chair. Um, mm. And we can 
do a seated mountain mm -hmm. and so switching that into the target language and just sitting there noticing your feet, noticing your back, mm -hmm. identifying mm -hmm. those body parts in the target language, um, getting up, you know, doing a tree pose, a down dog. And you mm -hmm. also have to take into consideration what are your students wearing? Yeah, yeah. Um, where are you located in the room? So sometimes the chair yoga or just standing poses are really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Grounding, try to grow your tree up, find something to focus on mm -hmm. for a minute. Mm -hmm. It's going to put all those other um, thoughts aside. And other things that I've brought in is Zentangles mm -hmm. or Ami. Um, trying to think of what else. Oh yeah, you, you gave I me a lot of um, yeah. uh, links. I'll, I'll po post yes, those. Yes, I put a lot of those yeah. links in there. So yeah, Zentangle is um, a trademark meditation, but also involving art. And our students need art. They need to hold pens, pencils, crayons, markers again also mm -hmm. after being on their devices for so mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. So the link will be in the show notes, I hope. And, um, you know, I cannot take credit for creating it, but I simplify the instructions and do that in the target language. Simple origami, just giving the simple instructions of mm -hmm. folding people, paper. You have to put that mm -hmm. focus on it. Mm -hmm. Um Older students can create the directions in written or spoken form and use them with your lower level classes also, or have them directly work together, giving those instructions. So they're seeing that language is not just to travel, but we're getting our meaning across. We can express what, you know, we're telling people what to do in a kind way and mm -hmm. that we're able to understand us, which I think is um, just a huge pat on the back and a confidence booster for our upper level students, especially when they're not heritage speakers of that language mm -hmm, mm -hmm, or they're, mm -hmm. this is only really their second language. Ooh, somebody does understand me. That's great. Um, the adult coloring books or another way, sometimes I'll find ones that are slightly culturally mm -hmm. appropriate for my classes. There's an Eiffel tower and I leave them sometimes for a sub at sub work. Mm -hmm. Cause maybe they won't do the classwork I left, but they'll sit there and color Okay. Well, they're focused. They're coloring. Their breathing will start to self-regulate. Mm -hmm. So it is a meditation in that sense. And <clears throat> when they come back, I'll have all these wonderful pictures left for me. So I'll say, Hey, I start handing out papers to everyone and then it, madame, this isn't my paper. I know, I know, I know. Just go with mm -hmm. it for a minute. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. just being myself. Go with it. Work with me. <laughs> and then we start to, we have to describe these papers to each other. We have to ask mm -hmm. each other questions. You know, my, it maybe there was, I have one that has pastries on it. My first pastry is yellow. What color is yours? And then, you know, as they get older and they start to realize like, oh, you tricked us. But mm -hmm. the lower levels, you know, they think they're getting away with it a couple of times and just keep those in a pile to use them to talk about them and get some language production out of it. But they're also in that present time when they're coloring, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they are meditating. Yeah. And those are ideas that are outside the box. Um, I wouldn't have thought about during uh, the time I taught French, but um, yeah, just getting them to uh, kind of quiet that monkey mind 
Uh, yeah. Be in the moment. Um, great idea, like you said, for uh, sub plans, um, especially if you find something culturally relevant. Yeah. Um, let's shift a little bit from the classroom to uh, your work with the firefighter, EMS, police, and what you do with uh, mindfulness groups and also the Veterans Yoga Project. Yeah, these are some great um, groups that I've been able to connect with. Um, and they are uh, Yoga for First Responders is now an international organization. They're in mm -hmm. Canada and Australia also, um, and Veterans Yoga Project. And what both groups, what I really like about them is that they have encouraged members of those communities. So of for yoga for first responders can be police, fire, EMT dispatchers, mm -hmm. and veterans, obviously, anybody who's been in the military or has family who's in the military, and to go through specifically tailored yoga teacher trainings. So they go through yoga teacher trainings. Some of them become registered yoga teachers. Some of them, there's different levels, but the both groups, their vocabulary and movement is, you know, trauma-based and mm -hmm. specific to the job practices mm -hmm. or dealing with issues from veterans. So that's what I really love with it. So when I do work for yoga for first responders, I'm not using any Sanskrit. I'm not using mm -hmm. the, the original language that yoga is in. If I'm talking about a mountain pose, I might be saying I'm in a mountain pose or I'm mm -hmm. grounding my feet. And what I loved about it is that it makes yoga and the yoga ideas accessible to everybody. When mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean everybody, you know, any age, any body shape, any mindset of where you want to be. So because yoga can sometimes be intimidating, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. studios um, can be in intimidating. And that's not, I'm not trying to say that that's not a, they're a bad place. They're absolutely not. You know, you have to go where it speaks to you, but many community members don't want to be in that space because there might be essential oils or music or the language might trigger a past experience especially for mil people who have been in the military and even though they're not the same but our brains don't always know that when we're yeah. in um having post-traumatic stress or you know in any anything coming from that. So how do we make the benefits, the breathing, the mindfulness, and then that physical movement to get that stress out accessible to them? So mm -hmm. I've been through specific trainings with both of those groups. Um, and I use that reaching out to other um, groups in New Jersey. So when I do work with my special needs, young adults, when I'm working with my seniors, you know, it's about getting to know the group, what works for them, what language do they want, what is each person looking for, too. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I have some groups that are like, please bring on the music, the chimes, the essential oils. They want mm -hmm. it all. Mm -hmm. And there are some groups that are like, we just want to work out. Yeah, okay, so we're going to just work out. You got that. I'm just going to work out with you. We just have to match our breath to our breathing, you know, mm. our, our breath to our movement and be mindful of how we're moving our bodies, but we're mm. exercising. They're absolutely right. And they're still getting those benefits. So 
I'm grateful for those opportunities. There are amazing groups. Um, you can just Google yoga for first responders, uh, veterans yoga project. Um, if you are involved, would like to be involved, there's various state groups and every state is organized a little bit differently through the main. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's something that, um, I think anybody who's interested in helping, like, um, you know, as a volunteer for people mm -hmm. dealt with trauma, um, it's great to get involved. Um, but, uh, looking at the other side, um, you know, in education, for example, there's a lot of naysayers that might say, well, yoga, mindfulness, SEL, it really doesn't cure much. Uh, so what would you say to those naysayers? I'll say, yes, I, I, you are correct in that statement. They do not cure anything. SEL mm. is not a cure. Mindfulness, meditation, and yoga are not cures. However, they're for SEL, I'll, I'll start with SEL in the classroom mm. first, because I going through different trainings through work and through my own explorations, you know, some teachers are like, yes, we need to connect with our students. And some teachers say, I already do that, or this is working with my students. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, I'm not going to say, no, you're incorrect. Mm -hmm. But I have found since I've changed up my activities that one of the examples that I use in um, some of my presentations is that, you know, we talk about maybe what activities we did over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I stopped asking the weekend question because First of all, not everybody has a great weekend. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some of our students come to school because that is the safer space to be in, mm -hmm. right? The ones that are never absent. Mm -hmm. And so maybe, you know, their weekend was not a great experience. So who would want to talk about that? And why should they have to lie? Yeah. Right? We should be honest. So instead of that, just talking about activities. And I, I pull my students during throughout the semester, you know, what activities do you do personally? Because I'm not going to talk about certain activities if nobody's doing them. Mm -hmm. When I think of a vocabulary list in a book, you know, we don't do those activities. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I need to know what activities are my students doing? Because none of my, my textbooks that I've ever even, you know, looked at for just a vocab list have had karate in it. But I have so many students who, who practice different martial arts. Mm -hmm. um, so those are activities you want them to be able to talk about. And so and then going back to the weekend question, instead of, you know, what did you do over the weekend? I'll ask, you know, if you had an extra three hours in your day, what activity would you do? And sleeping is not one of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when we ask our students, how do they feel? They're tired. And what do you want to do? I want to sleep. Or what did you do over the weekend while I slept? Mm -hmm. I'm tired of hearing that. So I'll give them some synonyms, some um, other ways to express that, but not to have that as their fallback. Give them mm -hmm. ownership of what they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Give them mm -hmm. that vocabulary. And it's the same, you know, with nationalities. If you look in a French textbook, you know, you're going to have American, French, Italian, English, Canada. Maybe you get Quebec, maybe not. Maybe mm -hmm. they put Senegal in. Well, a lot of my students are from Haiti. Mm -hmm. It's not in there. And they say that they're like, hey, madame, it's not in this book. We don't use them mm -hmm. anymore because it's not in the book. Yeah. So yeah. again, you know, giving them the vocabulary and that ownership that they want to have which also is making those connections. I know who has parent who have parents who came directly from Haiti, whose, you know, parents went to school there or came to the US early on. And 
it doesn't matter if it deals with francophone or not, right? Mm -hmm. But students should be able to identify themselves. So that's the first one on that SEL. It makes those connections. So it's a more, I think it's a stronger conduit to coming into more challenging discussions. Mm -hmm. depending on if do we have to talk about some challenging issues in our classrooms um do I need to reach out to the student and their parents because of something or I'm noticing something's Mm -hmm. going on or work's not being done and to give those that openness you know when I reach out to a student uh, or to parents and I know that they went to school in Haiti and I'll say you know let's work together let's see how we can help your student feel Mm -hmm. comfortable with this from your schooling experience and my schooling experience. Mm-hmm. And that I actually, my student is not just that person in that grade in my classroom, that mm-hmm. I want my students to succeed to the best of their abilities. Mm-hmm. So that's for the SEL. And then, you know, the mindfulness, the meditation and the yoga also come into it. It's not curing anything, yeah. but it's helping us to recognize our our own personal feelings and our reactions maybe to have another a longer pause between an action and a reaction right we really need that space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and learning how to do that and also being models for our students of that and help encouraging them to try these skills because mm-hmm. it might not be something that they're open to do if you say oh we're going to do yogic breath, talking about the belly breath. They're like, ew, I'm not doing that. But if you say, oh, we're going to do some deep breathing because it's going to settle that crazy, our crazy minds for a few moments and cool ourselves down, especially if you're in a building without air conditioning at times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they might buy into that a little bit. So how do we connect more with them? Mm-hmm. And then the benefits of all of these activities do start to take over. It's mm-hmm. not going to solve any s- school district issues. It's not going to solve, you know, home issues, food mm-hmm. issues, food insecurity, anything else that's going on. It's not solving that, but it's about giving our students better coping skills, mm-hmm. become mm-hmm. more to deal with these issues and to become a little bit more resilient from them. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And I think like you look at it in those three ways, the yoga, the mindfulness, but also the SEL. And like you said, how can we approach our students and how can we realize that, you know, not everybody has a good weekend, but, you know, talk to them in a way that you're recognizing where they came from, not relying Mm -hmm. on what the curriculum says. So I think those are all great ideas. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your professional speaking coming up. So we have the Kentucky World Language Association Conference, uh, September 23rd and 24th, and the uh, Foreign Language Association of Virginia Conference on October 6th through 8th. Um, tell me about the sessions that you'll be giving at these um, conferences and um, kind of what maybe some teachers have uh, gotten out of the conferences that you've been to in the summer. You just returned from the American Association of Teachers of Spanish and Portuguese and the American Association of Teachers of French. Yeah. So for my upcoming sessions in Kentucky, Virginia, and also when I was in uh, San Juan and New Orleans with AATSP and AATF, um, I did present for all of those about encouraging proficiency 
through SEL and mindfulness activities. So I do talk about, and the teachers get to experience doing a Zen tangle. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about what is the difference in the similarities between SEL and mindfulness because they do overlap. There's aspects of both mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in each other, but they're not the same thing. And what can some of the benefits be? And again, some low prep in easy ways. How do we reach out with SEL type of questions, have these conversations mm-hmm. with our students? And I give them very low prep, quick ways to reach out to the students. We use a lot of emojis for mm-hmm. many different levels, but also how to get interpretive reading out of you know some infographics that have emojis so there's so much out there so I just I'm sharing just a, a smidgen I feel um mm-hmm. of what's out there and again yeah. you know what I find that it has worked with me um also at AATF I presented on um bringing more um mindfulness compassion into the classroom you know how are we mindful and compassionate to ourselves again as teachers mm-hmm. and once we are taking care of ourselves being kind to ourselves we are able to then be able to better share with our students and to be that giving and I think especially after the past couple of years what's resonated with teachers is that you know we've been right in the middle we have had the same stuff happening to us as it's happened to our students Mm-hmm. And to our own families and trying to cope with our families here. But then also, how do we help our school families deal with this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I personally feel that, you know, it, it's almost a double burden. So, you know, we do need to remind ourselves that it's okay to have these feelings, that it's okay to acknowledge the feelings, that we might not feel like that rock star teacher every day. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to not be that best person. Okay. But how do we react to everyone around us? And we want to Mm -hmm. be conscious of that. Yeah. It's okay. Especially at high school, you know, I'm like, man, I'm not, you know, I haven't had a great day today. We're just going to take it down a notch today. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I, 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 we got you some days and they'll come in and say, today's not my best day. Well, guess what? I'm Mm going to back off with them that day. And yeah. maybe not call on them as much and just mm-hmm. check in. Hey, you know, everything good. You want to talk? Do you want to go for a quick mm-hmm. drink of water or something? And knowing that it's okay and that we should, it's okay to express ourselves without oversharing. Like, I don't have to tell my students everything that goes on, mm-hmm. nor do they always have to tell me unless they feel comfortable to, but that we're allowed to have these emotions in our spaces. We're not perfect people. We're human. And I think that's another big takeaway from the pandemic that we are all human and we all have a limit. And we're trying to come back into that, especially when things can still change all the time. And how do we deal with changes? And if the best thing you're doing is taking care of yourself, that's going to make the rest of your classroom space and time pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, you know, it, it flows from the teacher's attitude to how the students are experiencing the classroom. So that's the most important thing is to find out how to serve your, your needs before you try to teach a lesson. And, you know, you really want to, you know, tap into that. So I will post a link to those conferences that are coming up 
That'd be the great. Show notes, yeah. If there's any listeners that are going to those, um, you keep Come pretty say busy. Hi, <laughs> Yes. Um, so we've had a great conversation around weaving uh, yoga into the French classroom, yoga for first responders and for veterans, and just um, how to um, connect with our kids. Um, out of everything we talked about on the podcast, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? Uh, number one, do that belly breath. That belly mm-hmm. breath will, will serve you many times. You can be standing, sitting, laying down, do that, do it in your car, do it before you go into work do it from going to work back into the house. Let them know, like, don't come to my car. I'm doing some belly breaths. I need it today. Um, And the other thing is, you know, talking about, you know, serving ourselves first before we're able to serve others is, you know, just like they say on the airplanes, put your oxygen mask on first. So, you know, coming to any sessions, although they are, we're talking about what to do in our classrooms. I do hope that teachers are always defined able to find something for themselves out of it and to mm-hmm. take it and use it for themselves. Because I, I, I've, as I, you said earlier, I've been, this is my 24th year I'm going into. I like what I do. I like what I get to do when I shut my classroom door and it's my space again without the paperwork and, you know, all the other teacher stuff. I love teaching still, and I want to still have that passion and I want to stay in it. I don't want to burn out yet. And mm-hmm. I hope that, you know, as teachers, you know, we don't feel that we're being forced to stay in and that we're able to have fun in -hmm. our jobs. We got into this to share and to inspire and to plant that seed no Mm -hmm. matter when it happens. And I hope that so many of us want to continue to do that because we need each other. We -hmm. need these new teachers coming in, um, keeping us inspired and on our toes. We need new things to do. I don't want to keep doing the same old thing because I'm going to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully they want to stay in for the long haul too because our students deserve it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They deserve it and we deserve to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so well said. Where can people connect with you and find you online? Oh, online, uh, definitely check out my webpage, www.jennyzenyoga.com, or feel free to reach out to me um, on any of the social medias, um, Jenny Zen Yoga, I'm on Facebook, um, Instagram, it comes out as Jenny Plage, P-L-A-G-E, Twitter, uh, Jennifer Schwest, S-C-H-W-E-S-2, Mm-hmm. And also um, feel free to email me at jennyzenyoga at gmail.com. Great, great. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. Thank you so uh, much, Dana. It's been great. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. Mm-hmm.